Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today is a special episode. This is, a, I mean, I, I'm so lucky to have this opportunity. We'll be interviewing Basketball Hall of Famer, Laker legend, and business tycoon, Irvin Magic Johnson. But, you know, what's going on in the country, I have to take a few minutes before we get to Mr. Johnson to talk about gun control. Not even a week after the tragic mass murders in Atlanta, this week there was another mass shooting in Boulder, Colorado, where 10 people were killed in a grocery store. The shooter was armed with an AR-15, and as is always the case in mass shootings, we're met with Democrats calling for gun control and Republicans blocking it. And as we dig into the life of the shooter, we saw what we often see, an antisocial man that's battling with some degree of mental illness who has far too easy access to a machine of death. Predictably, President Biden responded as a Democratic president should, and Biden himself has a great track record on guns as one of the architects of the 1990s assault weapons ban that would ban weapons like AR-15s. Honestly, I'm at a point where COVID getting under control is a blessing and a curse, because while we're happy to be vaccinated and back to normalcy, normalcy in this country means mass shootings are back to. And Republicans have come to the conclusion that mass shootings are an acceptable trade-off for easy access to whatever death machine you choose based on a distorted read of the Second Amendment and fundamentalism around guns that consider any restrictions to be an existential threat to gun ownership. And I say this as a gun owner. I say this as someone who literally got their CWP with Nikki Haley. Right? And as much as I want To make this about eliminating the filibuster, you still need 50 Democrats to break a tie. And Democrats seem to always be stuck at 48, as Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin hold us hostage. And as long as Republicans and some Democrats block any kind of sensible gun control, Boulder, Colorado will be part of a routine as we open things back up and get back to normal. Because normal in this country is living in fear that a routine trip to the grocery store or concert or movie theater could end up being fatal. And unfortunately, sadly, that's that on that. Now on to our show with the incomparable one and only Magic Johnson. Here today with us, uh, you know, we start each one of our conversations by having our guest walk us through the arc of your career. But I think many of us already know about who you were on the court but not many of us know about the reach of your business venture. Before we get into basketball, talk to us about the people who helped you first think about your life after basketball, especially in terms of your business ventures off the court. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, I had to start with probably Dr. Jerry Buss, late owner of the, the Lakers. Bakar, he became my first mentor and uh, allowed me to really understand the real business of the Lakers. And he opened up the books and, helped me really understand all the revenue streams and um, from parking to ticket sales to, to sponsorships, to the TV deal, to the radio deal. I, you know, you're just a player, so you don't understand <laughs> <laughs> this, this big machine behind you as a player. And I, I was just blown away. And so I have to thank him first. And then I, I, I would have to thank Earl Graves, mm. uh, Black Enterprise Magazine. Yeah. We came together and bought a Pepsi franchise. And so I owe Earl a lot because he taught me a lot uh, in terms of business, 
And Mr. Johnson over at Jet Magazine, I was in Chicago. I was coming to Chicago and I called him, man. And I said, listen, I'm playing the Bulls, but I'm going to have an extra day in, in the city. And I would love to meet you and have you walk me through your journey. And yeah, Bakari, I was blown away. He said, yeah, come on over. And man, we had lunch and uh, he blew me away with the building that he owned and, you know, just the whole Jet magazine. And so I can keep going. There's so many people who have helped me along the way. It, it was just not myself, but I needed mentors. I needed advisors. I needed uh, my employees. You had, to see it. you had to see it. You had to see other black people doing it. That's right. That's right. And so those guys were doing it in a big way. And I can, like I said, I can mention a whole lot of other people as well. Uh, just like Oprah, you know, you know, just watching her build her brand, her company, yeah. you know, I can go on and on and on. You know, one of the, one of the amazing things is I just got through, I was one of the, I guess, final two or three, not many people know this, so maybe we're breaking news, but final one, <laughs> or two, two or three people to bid on the Atlanta dream. And mm. I learned a lot about that process, even getting beat out by uh, even somebody who would be a much better owner than I and Renee Montgomery. Uh -huh. um, but I looked through the list of things and like running through your portfolio, not even including the real estate work or your partnerships with Starbucks or Fridays. You're talking about the Dodgers, Major League Soccer, the Sparks, the Esports franchise, Team Liquid, Equitrust, Sodexo. So talk to us about when you get into a deal flow with ventures like this, what are the Magic Johnson must-haves? that were in these deals such that it made sense to you invest for you to invest. Cause there are a lot of young listeners out there who want to diversify. Everybody's talking about what we're going to do next. So what are the must haves that go into your business portfolio? Well, the first thing I want to do is see how they've been performing. So we go back five years and I'm hoping that they've had growth every year in those five years. Right. And then we look at what do we anticipate it's going to look like five years later, right? Like from the point that you buy it, to five years, what are we predicting or what are they predicting that uh, the company's going to look like? And then can you add value, right? Can you mm -hmm. drive added value to this company? And then what does the management team, executive team look like? Uh, so that's very important as well. And so, and then who are the competitors? So what are they doing versus what this company that you're going to look to buy or invest in? What have they been doing? So you look at their competitors as well. And so when you make a decision, you know, we bet everything hard, man. We, we <laughs> you know, we don't be playing around because at the same time that, you know, it's, it's your money, it's your reputation. And so we want to make sure that we're going to be successful. So that's what I look at. Just like when you looked at the dream, you got a chance to look at the numbers. You got a chance to look at, okay, uh, their partnership with the NBA. How many years is that? On and on and on. So then you can make a real good decision on if you want to write that check or not. And so <laughs> the WNBA, you know, they're not making a lot of money, you know. So it's really a brand play for me with the Sparks because it's going to take us a while to build it up where it's really making a lot of money. But the LA Sparks are the number one brand in the WNBA and it was a good look. And we have, you know, we were driving about seven, 8,000 fans. So that was good. Oh, we that's were good. Breaking, yeah. We were breaking even most of the years, but it, it, at least we weren't losing the money. 
Well, and you know, and I, I think in about with Kathy Engelbart, shout out to Kathy, but in about five, 10 years, that league is going to turn around and that, that's, that's right. that investment you have is going to be worth worth something mm-hmm. big. We'll, we'll talk about LeBron again later in our basketball conversation <laughs> that we're going to get to. But for people who may not be aware of how big of a deal this LeBron Maverick Fenway Sports Group deal was in, in terms of black ownership in one mm-hmm. of the, the major three sports league, provide some color on how big this deal is given how valuable and iconic the Boston Red Sox franchise is and how difficult it is even for iconic players like yourself and LeBron to get to the table for a deal like this. Well, you just mentioned it, Bakari. First of all, it's difficult to get in. That, that, <laughs> Trust so we, me, I don't know. We, yeah, we don't even have to go <laughs> no place but there because it took myself finally to get in with the Dodgers. And I'm so happy for Mavic and LeBron because, you know, they have a nice portfolio of not just the baseball team, but they own other uh, franchises within that portfolio that they bought into. And then what it is, is that baseball, see, people don't understand their revenue streams are so large. What I do with the Dodgers is so it's bigger than what the Lakers are, right? Uh, Mm. Our TV deal is bigger than the Lakers TV deal. So we got almost a $10 billion TV deal. It's $9 billion. And so you're going to always be able to make money. And the Red Sox, them and the Yankees, if you look in the American League, those are the two most valuable franchises. That's what he bought into, right? They're always going to sell out. Uh, People love the Celtics, the Patriots, and the Red Sox. So you don't have to worry about making money. The Red Sox make money every year. And we finally can say it's two of us sitting here, first ex-basketball players, Owning, yeah. you know, co-owning baseball teams is a great feeling for 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 Maverick and LeBron and myself. How, and hopefully, how difficult it, how difficult is it for LeBron to do this? And this is the only difference I see between you because I mm-hmm. I, I am someone who says it wouldn't be definitely wouldn't be a, a LeBron James and the business aspect without a Magic Johnson. But mm-hmm. how difficult is it to do while you're still a player? I mean, he still is at the height of his game playing basketball, and he's doing all these things. Very difficult. Very difficult. But you got to have a A-plus team. And with Maverick sitting there, Rich Paul sitting there, he has an A-plus team, guys who could take care of business while he's still on the court. Because we got to remember, they just announced this deal. So, so, so he was still in his shorty shorts playing basketball when this deal was announced. So it wasn't announced during the offseason. So somebody had to be driving that bus, right? And it was Maverick Carter. So again, he has a great team around him, LeBron does, but LeBron calls the shots, you know? And so I'm so proud of him because it's not only the for-profit things that is driving him, but also the non-profit things and the schools that he built in black neighborhoods in Akron, Ohio. So all those things are important as well. So hats off to LeBron and his team. And now it'll open the door for guys like yourself, others who want to be in sports and and want to say, man, I can do the same thing because you can do the same thing. It may not be on his level, but you can do it on your level. That's important to know. So now let's talk a little basketball. We got to shift to it. That business, you know, understanding your business mind and how it works, I think is going to be beneficial for a lot of people listening. But 
I want to shift the conversation to basketball for a bit, and I'll start with the last dance. I love the last <laughs> dance. And you and Larry Bird, mostly you, I hope Larry's not listening, but mostly you <laughs> dominated the 1980s, right? You dominated it. But talk about when you realized that that moment had come when the Magic Bird Pistons era of the NBA had become the Jordan era. Well, you know, it was easy to see when it, <laughs> when it hit. I mean, when we played them in 91 for the NBA Finals and he came up on the right side coming down, Bacard, and he took off with the tongue out. <laughs> and we all jumped. We thought we had him. And in midair, he, he switched, switched it switched to it. the left hand. <laughs> oh, man. We said, you know what? Pass another torch. <laughs> and they beat us 4-1 in that series. And when I uh, went in after the game, after they had beat us, I told him, it's your turn. It's your time now. And sure enough, won three straight took off for baseball, came back. Now, who, who, who else in the world could take a couple years off, come back, and win three more championships? I mean, Nobody nah, but Michael I don't, Jordan. Yeah, but I don't want you to give him credit for baseball. I mean, he, he, he <laughs> sucked pretty good. He was terrible at baseball. Oh, yeah, so that, and he knows that, too. So that must have been – we'll just call that, we'll just call that a, a, a well-deserved recess in the middle because we ain't going to say he played baseball. All my friends from Detroit got one question for you, though. Why wasn't Isaiah Thomas on the Dream Team? What's the real answer? Everybody think they know. Well, he was supposed to be on the team, and Isaiah Thomas was, is one of the one of the. I mean, it's you and then Isaiah is. Oh, as, no question, no question about it. I mean, talent wise, is without a doubt he should have been on the team, but he just had problems with so many guys on that team, or they had problems with him, and so. They let it be known that they didn't want to play if he was going to be on the team. And that's what really kept him off the team, right? Did they have a problem with him or did they have a problem with the Pistons and the way the Pistons thoroughly abused people? There you go. There you go. You, you just said it. The Pistons. And I think that that cost them. And, you know, Isaiah and I was boys, so we 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 were close friends. And um, I thought he was going to be on it. We were going to have some good times together. And it just didn't happen. And uh, Commissioner Stern decided to go another direction. And then think about this. Your coach is coaching the team. I Chuck know. Daly is coaching the team and you're not there. And because he's a much better player than John Stockton. No question about it. Uh, there's not even I, there's not a doubt yeah. in anybody's mind. Yeah. I mean, I, that John Stockton over Isaiah Thomas. The only thing that's comparable <laughs> is Steve Nash winning those MVPs over Shaq. Like none yeah. of that should have, <laughs> none of that should have happened. <laughs> Let me ask you this: You got you walk into a gym. You got Isaiah Thomas, Steph Curry, Allen Iverson, and Kyrie Irving as your point guard. Who you taking? I'm taking Isaiah. That's that's easy because that's who I know. That's listen. You go with what you know. What's been yeah, proven. What's listen. He scored 25 points against the Lakers in the NBA Finals in one quarter on a bad leg. You, you see, I'm, I'm going with that. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't argue with you on that. <laughs> you know, I like Kyrie. I like Steph. I love him. I, I watch him all the time. But, you know, I got to go with what I know. Yeah, and growing up in that, I, I'm taking AI. I love Isaiah. I think Isaiah mm -hmm. is one of the most misunderstood people. Isaiah and Charles Barkley, to me, have hearts of gold. They are yeah. great, great human beings. Uh, I wish more people got a chance to know them. 
but I'm taking Allen Iverson because Allen okay. Iverson, you you go to the second round of the playoffs with Allen Iverson, period, just on your back. I mean, he he's just he was an animal. Well, he did it by himself. He <laughs> remember they they were not a talented team when they played the Lakers in the finals. And he won the first game by himself. Yeah, by himself. <laughs> <laughs> so we we talked about the last dance, but you've got your own Netflix documentary coming. Talk to us about that project and when can we expect to see it? What is it? Yeah, uh, I got my own documentary coming out. We're filming it now. And just like, you know, I was in Michael's, he'll be in mine, President Obama. We got a lot of great people who going to be on my documentary as well. And so... We're still filming it now. You know, a lot of the Lakers, Isaiah will be in it as well, Larry Bird. So it's going to be great and people, but it'd be completely different from the last dance. And so uh, I'm happy because we needed the last dance because we needed some live programming Something. and some content that we could all wait for every Sunday. So thank you, Michael, for that. <laughs> but um, it'll cover my whole life from Lansing, Michigan, growing up, in a family of 10 all the way to becoming a businessman and my belief in the Lord. And so it's going to cover all those things. You know, the documentary is only the tip of the iceberg because HBO is also doing a docu-series of the Showtime Lakers. The project is slated for a 2022 release, but so many of our listeners weren't old enough to actually witness the Showtime Lakers. Right. What made that particular brand of basketball so unique at the time? And how were the Lakers a precursor for... I don't know, the Golden State Warriors that we see out there, not now, but, you know, when they're all healthy. Because it was fast break excitement, right? Me coming down the middle, and I had James Worthy, beautiful back. Man, James Worthy, man, unbelievable player on that wing, and he could do so many things. You had Michael Cooper on the other side, Byron Scott. So Our we were athletes, running. Those, you had gunning. athletes. That's what you yes. had. You had a athletes. Yes. Yes, running and gunning. So I'm I'm be- throwing it behind my back, behind my head, between my legs, and they finished with dunks. So it was the, the excitement of Showtime. And then we also had Hollywood. So every celebrity wanted to be there and was there. And so you get to capture that as well. Then we had a club in the forum called the Forum Club that was world-renowned, that everybody and their mother tried to get in at halftime and after the game. It was like a nightclub. So all these things, and then we had an owner who was a playboy himself, dating uh, playboy bunnies. So it, it it was all that mixed in one. That's what made Showtime, my brother. So uh, you'll get to see that. I know that Showtime got one coming out. HBO got one coming out. So it's going to be amazing to see Showtime relive on both of those networks. You know, I, um, I always tell folk that for me, I think one of the top three greatest players of all time is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I got Jordan, LeBron James, and Kareem in any order, right? Yes. Yes. But do you think he gets lost in the shuffle when we talk about all-time greats? Because it seems to go from Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain to the 90s era center. When we talk about activism, we don't get to hear about Kareem enough. Yep. But this guy was not only the most prolific scorer in NBA history at one time, but arguably one of the more significant public intellectuals of our all-time and just as much of an activist as Jim Brown or Muhammad Ali over time. Talk about how much Kareem means to the Lakers' mystique and how much his voice helped shape 
you and the way that we view athletes today? Well, you know, he helped build it. The Lake of Mystique, it, there will be no mystique without Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And so let, let's, the young viewers need to understand this. Number one, the dude never lost in college, right? Like in terms of an NCAA championship. He won three NCAA championships. He won also three college players of the year. Now, if freshmen were eligible at that time, he would have won four <laughs> national championships, right? He was so dominant. Then he carried that in to the NBA, and he had the most unstoppable shot ever, that sky hook, and he could dominate whoever the center was playing against him, and he could pass, and he can make his free throws. The guy had it all, block shots, rebound. Kareem was everything. But the one thing he did that nobody saw, he, he made all of us better. He helped us to read more. He told mm. us, hey, you need to educate yourself. And he took me aside. The reason I'm a businessman today, the reason I'm a smart man today is because of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So he was reading books while everybody else was messing around. He was doing yoga. Look, this dude was doing yoga when it first came out, like 100 <laughs> years ago. right? <laughs> and so he was able to teach us things that stay with us through our journey in life. And I always tell him, thank you, because you made me change my mindset when I was a rookie. It was just focusing in on basketball. But he made me say, no, no, no. You got to do more than that. You got to get into the community because the black community needs you. See, it was Kareem who passed all those notes to me. So that's what you need to know. And he was afraid to put his career on the line as well as making sure people know, hey, I'm a strong black man and an intelligent black man. And I love Kareem. So he dominated on the court but he dominated off the court as well. And he won in Milwaukee. Y'all know how hard that is to do? To win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Very that, hard. That Giannis is, is seeing that right now. <laughs> Trust me. He, yeah. So we, as, we, as we sit here today, I, you know, I'm a big Gamecock basketball fan. My girl Don Staley is setting a standard oh. for our Lady Gamecocks. But I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little March Madness. You know, we've had a ton of upsets so far. Who do you see winning at all at this point? Can you even form your your mouth to say the Michigan Wolverines, or is that not allowed? No, that's not allowed, but I'm <laughs> I'm pulling for Jawan Howard, the coach, because I've known Jawan since he was a high school player. But let me just say this. Gonzaga, you have to still go with them until somebody beat them. But I will say this. The most unpredictable NCAA tournament I've probably ever seen in my lifetime because Houston is good, Arkansas is good, Creighton, all these teams, if they're rolling like they are right now, they can upset you because me, they've already proven you, that. Let me tell you, Florida State and Leonard Hamilton, he got some dogs on his team. They and all the same. Coach. They all the and same size. They yep. six six to six nine. They switch everything, and they can shoot the ball when they want to. But they never mention his name when they say the best coaches in college basketball. And who's been to the tournament more than him? I mean, I'm talking about recently. In the last 15 years, not only does he go and get to the NCAA tournament, he does well. He performs well. 
and he gets the most out of all those young men. And he turns those young men into great men as well as NBA players. So I, I watch out for him because he can do things that most teams can't do, and that's switch everything with all those switch, six, switch six, everything. six, eight and they guys. Can, they can, for, and Gonzaga learned something. Yeah. They went out and got some athletes because you just can't have them same boys <laughs> <laughs> out there doing the same thing. That's, Coach that's why they've been coming athletes. up short. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he, went, he went and got some athletes. Talk to me about Tom Izzo. Is Tom Izzo one of the, if not the greatest college basketball coach of all time? I think he's definitely one of those guys. Uh, he gets the most out of two and three stars than anybody else. Very rarely does he get a five star, but he turns two and three stars into five stars. How many stars did you have coming out of college? I mean, coming out of high school. Uh, they, they didn't have that type of ranking when we came out. You know, when I came out, Albert King and uh, Gene Banks were the first. They were the best players considered in the in the country until we got to the McDonald's All-Star game and I had to prove all of them wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> so everybody listening out there, you don't have to believe the hype. When you, you get your shot, you just go and prove yourself, that prove that you're the best, and that's what I did. But at the same time, Draymond Green, think about Draymond. He was a two-star, three-star guy. Look what he's turned into, but he got help from Coach Izzo. And I can go down the line. I mean, that Coach Izzo took, me he took Mateen, Mateen Cleaves and, That's right. and, and those guys, all those, the Flintstones, as they were Flintstones. called. Mm-hmm. And Leonard, Leonard Hamilton is doing the same thing at Florida Correct. State. Correct. Exact same thing. And then uh, I'm remiss if I didn't forget that people still got to prepare for Jim Beheim and that zone that you don't see nowhere but uh. in the ACC with Syracuse. And, and it's hard to prepare for that because you only have a couple of days or one day and that zone just kills you. And if you don't have shooters and guys that can also get into the middle of that zone, you're going to get beat and give uh, his son a lot of credit. Buddy, Buddy Bayham, hey, you got to guard him when he's stepping in. And he beat too. He's hey, he's making his money right now. Hey, he's making his money right now. <laughs> he's going to look good in somebody warm-ups. And I that's don't know if right. he's going to – he might not take his warm-ups off, but, but he's going to be okay. on some... <laughs> he, Hey, he made it to the NBA. That's all you want. Mom and dad is happy. He's happy. Listen, everybody can't be LeBron and, and uh, you know, Steph and Kyrie and KD and AD and, you know, all the guys. If, but if you can get to the league, you know what the minimum is now? What is it? Four million? When I played, it was seventy-five thousand was the minimum. You know, so hey, get to the league. <laughs> get your money. That that, that player is making seventy-five thousand a night out there. That's right. Now. right. <laughs> so you got you have Gonzaga or the field? I, I'm gonna take. Wow. Now, when you say it like that, I'm gonna take the field. Yeah, I'm gonna take, take the, the field. field I think the field. <laughs> I think the field is strong. Um, I just, I just think that Gonzaga's relying a lot on that Suggs boy, and if they not hitting shots, that's a lot of pressure on Suggs. I, we'll, we'll see what happens, but mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what happens. Let's talk about the NBA really quickly. I was told as I was preparing that you don't miss a basketball game. They said that. <laughs> Mr. Johnson tries to watch basketball wherever he is at and whatever he's doing. We got meetings, and he want to know 
what's going on? The, <laughs> the Lakers, the Lakers won last year, and I'm going to assume that you're taking the Lakers to repeat this year. What teams do you think pose the most significant threat to LeBron putting up another banner in the rafters of Staples? Well, first, I, I will start with the Clippers out west. Um, the Clippers, I, okay, okay. Let, let's, on, we don't we on. don't have to be politically correct. You no, gonna no, bet no. on you gonna bet on Paul George? I'm, uh, no, I'm not, but I would <laughs> oh. say the Clippers. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, <laughs> they got Kawhi in a few others. So. Hey, hey, good point. You got me there. Okay, let's go to the next. I'll go with, with Brooklyn. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, Brooklyn, okay. Brooklyn, they got everybody. Brooklyn hey, got hey, the listen, whole. Listen, they got everybody, but also they got high basketball IQ dudes as well as guys that, don't need a pick. You can just throw it to them and they can do their thing. And they can put you in foul trouble. See, these guys can not only shoot from the outside, but Harden, KD, and Kyrie can also drive that basketball to the basket. So they put you in foul trouble as well. So they're going to be hard to beat. They're going to be hard to beat. And I I don't see much uh, competition or stiff competition in the East. I mean, I, I love Giannis, but Giannis just don't have enough in Milwaukee. I, I would no. I would think to, to to pose any type of threat to them right now. Well, especially when you got three stars versus one, right? Yeah. Uh, so same thing with uh, Philly. I love Joe and B and what he's been doing, but it still comes down to three stars versus one, and so um, it's hard. It's going to be hard to beat the Lakers in four games. It's going to be hard to beat Brooklyn in four games. And I tell you this too. The NBA needs LeBron versus KD. We haven't seen it really like this. Golden State, uh, he got the same we, thing now, though. I mean, it's like they no, jump. No, LeBron, what I'm saying is the league can promote it. Yeah, and it could be big for all of us as fans to watch Brooklyn versus the Lakers, East and West Coast, all over That's again. Right. That's right. You know, we we. Uh, we lost a legend this week in Elgin Baylor. Talk about mm-hmm. your relationship with him and how vital he was to the creation of the modern Lakers franchise. Yeah, it look, well, to me, he was Showtime. I know they give us credit, my Lakers, but Showtime was actually with Elgin Baylor. People don't realize he still holds the single most points scored in an NBA final, 60 points against the Celtics. He scored in one game. That's amazing. He was Dr. J, a mini Michael Jordan before those two guys, hanging in air, doing beautiful shots, um, scored 70 points in a regular season game. He was just unstoppable. And also he took guys like me who first came into the league and gave me great advice. And he was a humble man. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just praying for his wife and his kids. And Elgin Baylor finally got some respect. We put a statue up in front of Staples Center, and I was happy that happened because his statue should have went before mine, Kareem, and all of us, but it actually came after us, and that's and it wasn't right, but at least it finally happened. You know, you, you, got, you got Michael Jordan, Elgin Baylor, and I guess, who is it, Bernard King. Who, who's the best scorer out of, out of those? And KD, who's the best scorer out of those four? Well, I think it really, to me, comes down to KD and Michael, really. 
I think they're the that's, a, that's lofty. That's lofty praise right there. No, hey, there's three guys who I saw, and I'm gonna take those three: Kobe, Michael, and KD. Those are the three dudes that, to me, just was just unstoppable. Allen Iverson probably at the point guard position for a little man. Him and Isaiah were the two unstoppable guys, right? But when you think about those three, those three match up well. They 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 could score from anywhere on the court. Uh, they had a mindset to dominate you, and so uh, I take those guys. Why don't Bernard King get his respect though? Because he could, he was a bucket. Oh yeah. Well, Bernard did it later though. We have to remember. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell you what would have happened if Bernard hadn't busted his knee. People would have put him in that same category. Remember when he went off for 53, uh, was it three games in a row, two games in a yeah, row? The only, person who beat, the only person who beat that record was, I believe, Antoine Jameson at the at Golden State. Don't ask yeah. me why. No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he didn't do it as long because he busted his knee. But I will say that he was a dominant scorer and he was mean too. He would look at you. He never smiled. He just had that frown on his face and dominate you. That's what I like to see, man. My last question. I'm going to let you get out of here, man, and I'm going to finish studying your business moves. If you need, <laughs> I'm still paying student loans, but if you need a, a small investment to get a small sliver or something, call me, man. I love okay. to, love to you learn got from it. you. But I will we'll definitely wrap, do that. We'll wrap this episode up by talking about your relationship with great Lakers. And I wanted to talk about your relationship with Kobe Bryant, Shaq, and LeBron. I don't think it's a coincidence that each of them consider you a mentor, especially Shaq, with everything he's doing in the business world. Mm-hmm. And each of them had developed significant interest outside of business, Kobe as well. If you could talk about your role as mentor to the Lakers that joined the organization, and what is it about the Lakers organization that's such a magnet for generational talent? I mean, is it is it the city of L.A.? Well, I think that's a part of it, but also the Bus family don't see color. and. Dr. Jerry Buss didn't have to take me up under his wing. And and anybody that wanted knowledge about business, he would do the same for them, too. He changed more African-Americans lives than anybody I know in terms of being a white man saying, hey, I'm going to make your life better. I'm going to give you tools that are necessary for for you to be uh, you can become successful. Right. I owed it to Shaq. When he came in, I said, Shaq, listen, don't be about spending all that money on crazy stuff. Invest your money. So he came into my office and sat down with me and I and I told him, I said, listen, you got to think about owning the team, mm-hmm. not just being one of the players. And that has to be your mindset. Yes, you want to play for a long time, but save your money and then invest your money. And guess what? He did just that. And then the same thing with Kobe. We had a lot of sidebars. One thing I want to say, both of those young men, listen. See, a lot of times what happens, we get success, and then we think we know everything. Mm -hmm. And so I'm here. God put me here to help. So whoever wants the knowledge, I want to give it to them, right? And and they don't have to just play for the Lakers. It can be you or anybody else. My job is to help make more black millionaires, more successful black people. Then they pass it on to somebody else. And that's how we got to keep going. 
So um, I was able to talk to both of them and, and LeBron too. Sat down with Rich Paul, sat down with Maverick, sat down with uh, LeBron when I first recruited him when I was president of the Lakers and said, hey, your brand is going to explode. You can take over this town, but you got to have a plan and a strategy. And sure enough, that's what he was able to do, take over Los Angeles, you know, and you got to give all three of them credit because they sat down, they listened, and they were paying it forward too mm-hmm. and passing on the advice to other young players. And uh, so it's going to be great. Sad to see my brother Kobe die and pass away because Bakari, he was ready to take over the world. Man, the guy I- was in position to do some great things, and, and especially in women's sports and the things that he cared about, homelessness, all those type of things. And uh, it still hurts, especially out here in L.A. We still think about him. We we want to keep his legacy going, and uh, we pray for his wife and his daughters as well. Definitely, I I still remember that image of him winning that Oscar and how much he you know he celebrated that Oscar. It just showed how much of a dynamic individual he was, and he came a long way. People forget Kobe Bryant when he was 17, 18 years old in the NBA throwing up air balls in um, in, in the playoffs. In the playoffs, there was, there, was, there was no shot that man did not like. <laughs> hey, you are good, my brother, and you got a good memory too, man. <laughs> Listen, hey, we're going to come back and do this again. One day, you and I got to take questions from your fans and the people. Yeah, we'll do you know. it. We'll do it. We'll do it in person. When the Rona yeah. lets us be great, when everybody gets their vaccine and does what they're supposed to do, I'm coming to L.A. We'll do it in person. Thank you so much. I'm getting my shot tomorrow. So that's my a first lot. One Thank tomorrow, you. Yep, Thank you. I'm getting my first one tomorrow and then going from there. So everybody, you, you, we got to do it. We got to do it, man. We got to stay safe, be safe. And God bless you, man. Thank you for what you've been doing for everybody, but also for African-Americans. You are one of our leaders that we look to and uh, you're doing a great job of leading us. So thank you. That means a lot, man. Uh, Magic Johnson on the Bakari Sellers podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a blessed day, my brother. All right, you too now. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode, man. This was a fabulous episode. I'm so lucky to have this opportunity to speak basketball and politics and business with Magic Johnson. But before I let you go, I wanted to talk about Vice President Harris's newest assignment, and that's being the Biden administration's lead in response to the emerging crisis. I use that word because it's correct at the border. In case you've seen it, we've seen a spike in border crossings of late. And if you recall, the Trump administration's family separation policy and border insanity gave us some of the most inhumane moments of the Trump presidency. By placing Vice President Harris front and center, of the administration's response to the border, President Biden is putting in her hands what is arguably one of the trickiest issues for any Democrat. Because anything that smacks of heavy-handedness will rightly be called out. And because Republicans have no actual policy around immigration outside of deportations, walls, and babies in cages, the border crisis plays into the worst fears of racists and that's so-called open borders. Now, I say this as someone who always has the back of the vice president, But President Biden has made the right choice here. She represented a border state in California, but she also understands the very real humanitarian crisis that is driving the border crisis and the mix of diplomatic and economic tools that will be necessary to address the drivers of migration and the appropriate response from the U.S. 
Nobody was a better voice for dreamers and immigrant families in the Senate. Nobody better understands the moral and humanitarian impulses that have to inform the administration's approach. And she's got real credibility around law enforcement, the mix of which we've never seen in one person. So the right woman is on the job and help and real leadership is on the way. And that's that on that. We'll see you all on Monday. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did.